0: He's been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 122 of the interview podcast on the 8-Bit Collective. We are powered by Audio Technica, and I'm your host, John O'Peck, here to talk with Melissa Hutchison. I'm super excited for you guys to hear this because Melissa is such an amazing talent. Of course, a voice actor best known for her role as Clementine in The Walking Dead. Seasons 1 through 4, which just concluded. That is, of course, Telltale's probably flagship video game title. And I've been a fan of Melissa and that series really since season 1 way back. I think I played it in 2012 and was really impacted by her character of Clementine, the young girl swept up in the zombie apocalypse and just seeing her grow and evolve, turn into an adult over many years surviving. And I was so impacted by that story that I wrote a personal essay about the experience of growing to love that character and the impact it had on me personally in my own life, which I won't go into now. If you're interested, you can find that article on IGN.com. You can just Google how video games changed my perspective on parenthood, along with my name, that'll come up and you can have a read. And I think it's from that article that Melissa actually followed me on Twitter and that's how I was able to set up this podcast interview, and it was amazing to talk to her about her role in that game, the emotional response that so many fans have had to it, Uh, just her career in general as a voice actor. She's also had roles on Sailor Moon. She was Bianca on the latest Spyro the Dragon remaster. But it was particularly interesting just to get her perspective on the Telltale studio closure, which happened midway through the final season of The Walking Dead, kind of putting that series up in the air as far as the ending goes. We had a great chat about that, but yeah, just that emotional toll of being part of this studio for so many years through her voice acting roles and what it was like for that bombshell to drop last year, for her friends and and colleagues to face an instant redundancy without any severance packages or anything like that. It was a crazy story in the games industry of, of 2018 and a sign of just how things can go wrong. But Melissa's a positive person, just like I am. So we found a a nice little way to put a spin on it and bring things around. It's always fun talking to voice actors. I've had quite a few on the show in the past. Definitely worth checking out if you've missed those episodes, if you've got a particular interest in the lives of voiceover artists. We'll talk about some of those people through this interview. You can go back and check those out if you wish. But for now, here is Melissa Hutchison. Enjoy the show. Mel, thank you so much for joining me. It is awesome to have you on the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm very glad to be here. (laughs) That sounded crazy, but I am. I am. It's really great to get to talk to you, and I'm honored. So thank you. Well,
0: the the honor is all mine. I'm a a huge fan of The Walking Dead and and your performance over many, many years, which we'll get into soon. But uh, it's it's great to see that with uh, The Walking Dead all wrapped up, you've continue to get some kind of high-profile work. You said you had just been working on Sailor Moon. That's pretty cool. <laughs> what, what can you tell people about that?
1: Yeah, wow. I. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've always known about Sailor Moon since it's been out mm. in, the, my God, the 90s. Um, I think I was a little <laughs> bit older and doing other stuff at the time, so I didn't really get into Sailor Moon then, but uh, it's really cool. It has a huge, obviously, a very huge, devout following, And uh, this final season that I'm working on, I get to play this really awesome character who is a starfighter, and when they're in starfighter form, it's this, you know, awesomely beautiful woman, but then on Earth, she comes down and disguises herself as a teenage boy in a boy band, a famous teenage boy, high school boy in a boy band. So it's been really fun working on two different voices, technically two different people. Yeah. It's just been, it's been really cool. And this is the final season of of Sailor Moon, uh, the final season that's actually been dubbed into English. So people are very excited for this to come out and I hope I do not disappoint.
0: <laughs> yes, you, I'm sure you'll hear about it if you do. I know I will. That's not
1: the case. <laughs> <laughs> 100% and it's okay. It's all right.
0: Yeah. I like to backtrack when we do these interviews and kind of cover the origin story
1: the origin story
0: yeah so let's go back to i guess the early days did you always have an interest in performance in theater in drama but like going back to school and stuff
1: yeah oh yeah i am i mean it's taking it way back i'm aging myself at this point but (laughs) i uh I always wanted to be an actress. I always had a love for uh, anime just even before, you know, career was even a word in my head. I always, Hmm. you know, was obsessed with, you know, the voices in the cartoons and imitating them. And I always wanted to be an actress. And I think I was like 10 years old when I, this is before the interwebs kids, I looked up an audition for a community uh, theater play uh, in the newspaper, <laughs> and had my mom drive me to the audition, and I, I got my first role, and uh, you know, uh, grew up with the theater background, mostly musicals. That's my, I'm, I am that person. Uh, but yeah, my, my background is is stage, and I've, you know, always always wanted to be an actress, and thank God it worked out because I don't have a backup plan. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that's cool. So. How did voice acting become the focus for you? Was was there attempts to do other types of performance, and then you found your way into it?
1: Um, no, not you know. Actually, I, you know, without getting into a long detailed story of my life, I, when I was in my late teens, I kind of, you know, had to shift about in in living going from living with my mom in San Francisco I had to move back to Missouri where I'm from to live with my dad and I I kind of fell out of acting for a while and I just did what young people do and just kind of I don't know <laughs> had fun for a few years and uh, I got back so I I was let's see in my mid almost mid-20s and I was you know working a job that I was just kind of miserable and. Just felt like, what am I doing? Um, and <clears throat> just, just kind of soul searching, like, well, what makes what makes you happy, Melissa? And it's acting, and it always had been. So uh, this is where a little bit of luck plays into it, because I went to high school and school, where school also plays into <laughs> it, um, with a good friend of mine who is still uh, my agent in San Francisco, Nate Tico, and uh, he he had become a an agent, uh, for a voiceover. And I just went in to like check in with him and see what I had to do to get started and just seek advice. And he started bringing me in for auditions. He knew I had a background, Mm -hmm. so that did play into it, uh, in acting, but, um, you know, and that's just kind of what propelled me into that, that line of acting, um, because, you know, at the point where I was doing my soul searching, I also was, you know, yes, acting came up as the thing I missed doing, but I also went back to my love of making funny voices and, and just, I knew that there was an industry for it in San Francisco, so I was like, well, hell, I'd like to do that, I think.
0: That's cool. So did you find that you enjoyed it a lot more than, I guess I'm going to say, normal acting, for lack of a better term, like performance live action, I guess, in that it, it's so different and it's just about the voice? Or was it just that that's where you seemed to uh, be successful so you continued with it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. To, to put it into words, like, I would never turn down an avenue of on-camera or stage even at this point in my life. So it wasn't like a voiceover so, uh, so unique in the acting category and it's so specific because, you know, obviously all your work... Well, besides performance capture now, most of your work involves being in a studio. And, you know, I don't know. I just once I got the bug and started you know, going for it and and make it sound like I just walked in and immediately was like, I'm a professional. Like it took years. Trust me, people. This was not <laughs> overnight. Like it took a lot of work to to get to the point of even being able to quit my day job. But, you know, we're a little bit spoiled us voice actors. I mean, unless you're doing performance capture, which is long days on set. Most gigs are at the most four hours and <laughs> you, you go into a studio and you have the time of your life and you get paid and you're like nothing but gratitude. So it, it makes the daunting, like, again, I would love to do on camera work, but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's definitely a different game to play. So I just, I'm just really comfortable in the studio and, mm. but I would, you know, I've done some performance capture and, and I really like the blending of those worlds. Cause it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is, it's, it's like theater on camera and voiceover in this perfect marriage. So, uh, I, I definitely would love to do more of that and, and, uh, hopefully will.
0: I mean, it it sounds pretty cool to be able to sit at home in your pajamas and just record lines of dialogue and email it off to the developer or whoever's asking for it. But yeah, I'm I'm sure that there's different days where different things are happening all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and there in there are you know ebbs and flows, ups and downs. It's you know it's still playing the game. You know every even as a an actor who's you know really got my roots in this industry, um, you know I still have to play. Yeah, I still have to hustle and play the game. And mm. and you know it's it's always exciting. <laughs> That's for sure. Never a dull moment. And if there is a dull moment, mm. then you're worried. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, from the voice actors I've been able to speak to on this show, like Sissy Jones and Courtney Taylor, and oh, yeah. even like Roger Craig Smith. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it looks like even the successful, you know, voice actors. I look at them and think: once you've been in this huge video game, you've probably got, you know the offers just piling up, but it doesn't work like that. There's so many of you out there. Uh, Anthony Ingroup is another one from the Telltale family. And it, it sounds like it's, you know, it's a, it is like you said, a real hustle to, I guess, stand out and, and get those checks to keep coming in.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, uh, and all those people you mentioned, I absolutely adore. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting because I mean, I like, I got my start In the Bay Area, that's where I was introduced to Telltale Mm. Games um, because they, you know, mostly auditioned and hired actors in the Bay Area because they were in Marin County, north of San Francisco. And, uh, you know, moving down. So I got my start there. That's where I really like, you know, got my again, I'll use it my roots in the voiceover world. But, you know, coming to L.A., and this is after the success of The Walking Dead and being nominated twice for BAFTAs and winning the VGA. And, you know, I walk into town like, OK, <laughs> who wants me? Here I am. And, you know, it was like crickets. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's a little, you know, of an exaggeration. And I'm definitely not trying to discourage people, but it is it is a big pond, this industry. So, you know, any mm. any time you work, any time you you book work, uh. It's it's really there's never a moment where you don't feel gratitude for what you're doing and, and the awesome people that you get to meet along the way. So
0: yeah. yeah, and I guess just from my experience with the people I mentioned, it seems like that that you've just mentioned is. Something that keeps you guys quite grounded, which I I like. It's it's always easy to talk to you guys, and I think you seem to relish the position that you're in.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh. For sure. And it's not to say that you know, on camera actors are a bunch of <laughs> a bunch <laughs> of assholes. They're not. It's not. It's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's definitely a even though nowadays not so as much there's some anonymity anonymous (laughs) anonymity where's my script I can't read anonymity you know yeah there you go um to being a voice actor so you know I I think you know we can stroll around the world unless you're at a convention Mm. where people are seeking you out and know who you are you know there's there's a lightness to being a voice actor and the fact that, you know, there's not the pressures of I can't even go out in public without being, you know, harassed, which which is totally <laughs> crazy. Um, so, you know, yeah. there's yeah, we're and I don't know who, who am I to make that comparison. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool because, you know, even if you meet a fellow actress, like if Sissy and I were up for the same role, if, if she booked it, it would not be like you know there there would be nothing but just like support and like yeah Mm. you know it's very it's a very supportive uh community
0: yeah yeah and you touched on before kind of that grind and that hustle to be able to quit your job and that's really something that i'm interested in on this show as we hopefully have some listeners that you know would be aspiring to do the kinds of things that you've done so what was that process like what did it take to get to the point where you could take that leap and Leave behind the, I guess, security of uh, you know traditional work to, I say traditional, but like non-creative,
1: right? Fr-
0: freelance contract style, right. Work of an actor.
1: Well, you know, uh, I I have this conversation. I you know, it's funny. I look back on when when I was able to. I mean, I I started so long ago that it was actually. Before the time of being able to audition from home, record from home, at least it wasn't as Mm. common. So I still had to go into my agency any time an audition came through, which meant I had to have a job that was flexible enough for me to be like, hey, I need an hour and a half to get into San Francisco to record. I'll be back. You know, Uh, it takes it takes commitment. You really, really, really need to want it and you also have to believe that it's going to happen like truly it's that fake it till you make it even if Mm. you don't believe it you know and you have your moments of doubt you have to like just pretend like you're already there you know because i do talk to people who have amazing voices and acting backgrounds and i'm like well you know you know if your agent calls you say you have an agent and they call you at 4 p.m saying hey you have a session at 9 a.m tomorrow you need to you need to be there So it's tricky, but, uh, you know, I I found work. I was working in a grocery store um, and they were, you know, my God, if there was ever a a speech, I'd like to thank, you know, my my managers that I that I worked with at that store. I was in customer service and they were so generous and kind to me and flexible. And, you know, I look back on that. I'm like, man, I don't (laughs) It would have been. I mean, you can always get a job waiting tables at night. What I'm trying to say is you have to commit and you have to, yeah. you can't, it's not something that you can half-ass do or like, well, in my free time, it'd be fun to make some extra money being a voice actor. It's like, no, it's a full commitment. But, you know, if, if you're in that mindset, it will happen. And I'm a firm believer in manifestation and, and visualizing and making your dreams come true.
0: Hmm. Do you have a vision board above your bed?
1: I do. <laughs> I have three. <laughs> really? I do like a- I was uh, kidding,
0: but that's awesome. Oh my
1: God. No, yeah. Seriously, I have one for career, one for like, you know, home and and then one for travel. That's great. I, I need to, it's a little excessive. I need to hone it in. But no, I do. I and I, And I'm constantly, not constantly, that was a lie. I'm not constantly updating it. In fact, it's been a while. I need to do that. But no, I mean, I, I do, I look at it and, you know, I just- put words on it that are even just like you know abundance and I can't I can't turn around to look at it I can't see it you know like no boundaries and I pictures of Los Angeles and and Pixar characters and you know I mean I and I stare at it and I look at it and I wake up in the morning and even if I'm in a shitty mood or I'm not in a place of feeling good about or in a slump a work slump I look at it and I just you know, visualize myself being in a studio, recording, working with other actors, seeing myself as a cartoon character. Like, it sounds, a lot of people think it sounds a little, you know, hokey pokey, but you gotta believe me. Well, <laughs> it, it works. looks like it's working.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, on that topic, The Walking Dead, that's what mm. we're really here to talk about, I guess, in, yeah, in some yeah, ways. Shut but- up, lady. <laughs> <laughs> Did working for Telltale in, in some of their earlier games in probably some smaller roles? Do you think that that helped when it came time to audition for Clementine and having some? I'm guessing familiarity with the studio. Uh,
1: definitely familiarity with the studio. That's huge because mm-hmm. Telltale had. Uh, if you're familiar with Telltale games, obviously you are. Um, the you know dialogue branches, the choice options. Um, you know, I, I almost feel bad for people who are green in the telltale ways coming in to be like you know a playable character or something because you're like whoa what's going on yeah i mean i had been doing work with telltale games i'd have to i'd have to look it up now but i think sam and max was ugh, 2002 maybe I, I might be totally wrong on that don't don't <laughs> fact check me people i have no concept <laughs> um you know so yeah i had done uh, a. Quite a, several games before The Walking Dead came around, so you know at Studio Jory uh, in Marin. So it was uh, Jory, Julian, and Jared. They were all Bay Area sound. Well, Studio Jory, and then Julian and Jared uh, were Bay Area sound. So I was always working with those guys. So I mean, it was it was a family uh, setting. We were all very comfortable. Um, and now I can't remember what your the beginning of that question
0: was. Just, yeah, did it help to, to get that role?
1: Oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to say that. You know, oh, yeah, they wrote Clementine for me. <laughs> um, no, in fact, uh, that character, you know, when they, when they you know, signed on to do The Walking Dead and, uh, you know, Sean Vanneman and Jake Rodkin, uh, who were the main writers of that entire season... You know we're like we're gonna take this huge risk by putting this little girl the the literally the whole point of this game the whole reason you're playing is to play as Lee and protect this kid, and that's risky because kids can be annoying, so you know, I went in and I did my you know i i i i like to you know i say I do little kids' voices pretty well, <laughs> but I I sent in my audition, and I was like, oh, I totally nailed that, you know, and then I didn't hear anything, and then I got a call back, and I was like, okay, sent it in again, didn't hear anything, and then I think I got one more call back, and I was just like, okay, you know, check check your ego, lady, Um, and pretty much when I just, I didn't think I was going to get it at all, that's when I got the call that, you know, they wanted me to be Clementine, and of course, I had no, no idea um, where this game would go and <laughs> how loved this character would become. And and it was really cool because, you know, finding little Clem, you know, it had to be very realistic. It had to sound. They were auditioning children for the role wow. um, as well, so... Uh, you know, hearing the backstory on that has just made me feel like wow, you know, the stars aligned for sure.
0: It looks like they made the right choice, considering the way that Clementine's grown up over the years, and a little kid definitely wouldn't be able to uh, pull that off.
1: Right. Well, with how, <laughs> with how uh, you know, the time in between the seasons, the kid actually would have naturally aged with. Okay. Glam, yeah, but... <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs>
0: they might not have stuck with acting though. Who knows?
1: Yeah. What if they like hit twelve and all of a sudden they were horrible actors? I don't know. No. Um. I I yeah it's it's you know I mean when those auditions came around for for The Walking Dead in general I I didn't even care I wanted to have any part the only part I didn't read for actually uh, was the role that Sissy booked of Katya because it mm. was like this like I don't know Dutch accent Dutch, I was like this yeah. is just yeah I'm gonna sound like a Mike Myers and Gold <laughs> member or whatever <laughs> I'm from Holland isn't that weird yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was just not gonna fly. Sure. Uh, and she did an amazing job so it was meant to be
0: so did you have uh, any idea from auditioning or even in the early days of recording dialogue for that game that it would be the phenomenon that it was that the season would be by the end of it one of the still i think years later one of the pinnacles of storytelling in uh, video games
1: yeah I mean I not to the extent no because sure. I didn't even know that you know game awards even existed that's how out of the loop I was on that but <laughs> you know going into the studio and reading the script for the first time uh, and and just seeing like how nailed down the writing was and how like like the story was just it was it was crazy I mean all of us I can speak for you know I've, I've done you know, interviews with Dave Finoy who played Lee, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody that worked on the game, we all talk about our first day in the recording studio and reading that script, and we were, you know, like, oh, man, this is this is different. Like, this is some amazing storytelling. And, you know, I knew it was going to, just on how, how good it felt to be portraying this character and speaking those lines, there was no doubt that the game was, was going to be amazing and and really honor you know robert kirkman's universe the walking dead universe in general so
0: yeah that's that's really something that's stood out to me as well the writing but i guess it's the kind of culmination between the setting the performances from people like you and dave that really kind of sell these characters and the relationship between lee and clem which you know is relevant right through till the last episode of the last season um like, f- for me, any time Lee's name even comes up in that game, I get, like, mm-hmm. choked up, and I'm just <laughs> like, oh, Lee, Lee. But, um, yeah, I think that what you guys were able to, to do was phenomenal there, and it really, like, f- for a lot of people, I think they kind of dropped off after the first season, right. but the first season was so powerful for me that it just pulled me through right to the end, and I just wanted to see Clementine's story conclude Uh, hopefully in a happy way we won't go into spoilers uh, quite yet but um I think that you know the performance that you were able to do in that first game really started that feeling especially for me and I, I even wrote an article on IGN about this but that sense of wanting to nurture this character to protect Clementine to to make sure that nothing would ever happen to her I think that that was really uh came across as as a kind of a unique thing in a video game to me. Did you sense that when it was finished that it would have such an impact on people emotionally?
1: Yes. I I did just because you know, I can, you know, personally speaking, uh that especially that final recording session uh was such a powerfully uh emotional experience for myself and Dave. We didn't record together unfortunately, but there was no way that with so much emotion going into that final episode and that especially that final scene that you know uh that it wasn't going to punch people in the heart and that's exactly what it did and but you know at the same time i say that but then while recording it and and getting through it you know that's one thing but when, you know, that's still not the cohesive picture. The, the sound isn't in. I haven't seen it with the animation. You know, all the actors aren't, you know, their dialogue's not together yet. Uh, so when I was finally able to play that final episode, that's when it was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And just mm-hmm. getting the feedback. I think I wasn't even I don't even know if I was like on the I must have been on the social networks at that point. I mean, I know I was, but like I wasn't even on Twitter. So I don't I didn't have like that fan feedback, but I would just read like all the the articles and the reviews and and the comments that people would leave. Um and I, you know, I started going to conventions and having like you know, big grown-ass men coming up to me and just like, "Oh my god." You know, not that it makes a difference. Men should cry. I believe that. But it yeah. was just like it was just such a cool experience that I, I think we knew of course it was going to be emotional, but we didn't know it would have that impact like it. And it still does. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, I mean, I I don't want to sound corny here, but it really, that game was a game changer. It was, it's his, it is now a historical that season especially is uh, you know, it's, it's historical. Mm. It, it really was the first game of its of its kind to do that and you know afterwards you know a lot of game companies are following uh that path and games in general have become more cinematic and story driven but you know telltale not even the walk just the walking dead but telltale really is you know really set the foundation for that so it's it's such a cool thing to be a part of that history
0: yeah and i think it like I'm going to keep bringing this up because I have a personal <laughs> experience with this. But the article that I wrote was kind of built around this idea that for reasons that aren't that interesting and I won't go into, I until playing Walking Dead and The Last of Us, I had kind of no desire to have a daughter in my life. I always wanted to have sons because mm. that's just... I, I feel like a lot of guys just want to have, have boys and, and women yeah. want to have daughters, whatever it is, you know. But it was playing those games that made me realize like... Yes, like this is a person that I can love and connect with and I don't have anything to fear as far as not being able to relate to them and I feel like games are able to do so much that you can't get from TV and and film because of the way that you are making choices and interacting and, and trying to be immersed into it so... It it must right. have been eye opening for you to have those experiences with people coming up to you talking about these games in ways that even you probably hadn't even realized could touch them and affect them. Oh
1: man, yeah. I mean, I've been brought to tears on well, you know, on several occasions hearing stories of people who uh, either started playing this game when you know they lost someone important, you know, very special in their lives, or they were going through the worst of times, or or even just like, you know, bond, having a bonding friendship over playing this game together. And I mean, I've heard, I've heard stories that, you know, have it's just so humbling and, and it's, it's so special. I mean, it really is. There's really, it's hard to come up with words because it's such a huge experience and there's really not a way to put it into words. But it, it's going, again, going to conventions and, and getting to meet people you know one on one and hear their stories and and why what this game has done to you know change their life and that sounds from a non gamer point of view they'd be like <laughs> well that's just crazy but you know it it really is like this amazing experience and um yeah i i don't i mean it was just all i guess meant to be and but at sometimes i'm like wow i what did i do to <laughs> what did i do to deserve this <laughs> you know in the best way possible I say that.
0: And so after that first season, I guess the shift focused more on Clementine and and your performance, even probably progressively more and more as the seasons went on. So it must've been great to kind of be able to bear that load and kind of have, you know, a a more meaty role with some more emotional range, I guess. Was it something that you were kind of, uh, licking your chops to, to be able to dig in?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I feel like I was just talking about this with someone, um, There was a shift, obviously, between Seasons 1 and 2. There's Mm -hmm. some time gone by. Uh, Clementine's now going to be the playable character. And it seems like it would be such this natural move, because her voice, you know, in Season 1, she's like right here, and she only moves to like right here, so it's not a huge difference. But for some reason, that transition in voice was like... I don't know. It felt so important to nail down, and you know the you know the writers of Telltale were like this. It's so important that you know is she, even though she's you know only a couple years older, she's been you know she's like mentally, she's like a strong sixteen year old. And I don't know. I tripped out <laughs> on that for some reason because also the pressure of being becoming the playable character, uh, the best pressure to ever have. No complaints, <laughs> but um. You know, I think I sent, uh, you know, one of the writers like 17 different takes (laughs) of what Clementine might now sound like. I, you know, I just wanted to. And of course, you know, immediately it was like, oh, yeah, that's that was why did I, you know, stress out about that? But, yeah, becoming the playable character um, to get to, you know, it's way more dynamic, you know, now. Because in season one, you know, not, you know, I, I can't even like compare the amount of lines. I mean, I had a lot of dialogue in season one, but now it's like, you know, for per each episode uh, of four hour, five, six hour recording session to like five or six four hour, mm. hour recording sessions, which, you know, obviously in the work front is amazing. But um so much, so much to build on in her character. And again, I would love to take credit for being like, ah, oh, was amazing. <laughs> I totally nailed that, you know. But the, it's the writers. There's The writers in that in that aspect uh, and the director, that was Julian Kwasniewski in that, and he was amazing uh, during that transition, amazing director. Uh, but the writers nail it down. They, they made my job pretty easy. Uh, mm. So it was easy to stay on track and, and really, like, grow with Clem.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, that growth is something that, like you mentioned before, if there was a kid playing this character, they would have literally grown up doing it because it's been, I guess, eight, seven or eight years of your life with this one character that you're probably best known for.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, going back to meeting people at conventions and stuff or online, uh, you know, chatting with fans, I, I meet people who started, playing I'm I'm not going to do the math. Hold on. Again, don't fact check me, but they start playing when they're like, you know, 11 and now they're starting college, you know? That's a mm-hmm. huge yeah. that's a lot of transition in that time period and it's and it's cool because they got to yeah, age with Clementine and um and, uh, a- and as an actor, of course, you know, it's it's one thing to play a character for years and years and years and years. One character, I mean, that's, you know, how cool and amazing is that? Mm. But to get to actually age with this character and grow up and go through the transitions of being a small child to a teenager in a zombie apocalypse, um, <laughs> I-, I just, you know, it- it's again, how do, what did I do to deserve this uh it's been it's been really really an awesome challenge as an actor
0: yeah and I think it speaks to your performance that each iteration of Clementine being I feel like maybe two or three years separate each each season mm-hmm. every time it's it's very believable, it's very grounded and you feel you can just feel Clementine becoming a, a product of this world around her toughening up and and just growing up way too quickly, I guess like. I think the last season, she's meant to be sixteen or seventeen, but mm-hmm. she's talking like a, you know, thirty-year-old war veteran or something. So, it's it's cool to to see that and like the nuances in that as well.
1: Yeah, and what's what's really cool about the, I mean, there's what's really cool. What one of the many things that's really cool about the final season is it's interesting because in seasons two and three and this is me i'm a huge fan of the game so sometimes i speak as melissa the fan Mm, (laughs) rather than melissa you know i'm not critiquing i'm not saying anything so nobody you know quote me on this but in seasons two and three you know she's with except for i think you know gabe in season three but she's around adults who are like you know kind of like what are we doing? You know, ask the kid. You know, the Clementines in the situation of like, oh my god, I'm surrounded by idiots. So at least in in season four, she gets to this place. Except for Javier, I think her and Javier had a really, uh, really cool chemistry. Um, but in season four, you know, she shows up. She's finally meeting kids her age, and they they all kind of have their shit together. I mean, there's definitely some issues, Ooh. and I won't spoil anything. <laughs> but um, you know, it's not one of these like you know. It, it just feels like she's finally met this cohesive community that, you know, she can be a part of. And as a, basically a now mom, she's found this place where she feels like, oh, I think we could, like, hang out with these people and, and mm. <clears throat> get off the road and be secure for a little while. <laughs> secure, ha ha ha. But, you know, as secure as possible.
0: Mm. Now, was it as traumatic for you as it was for me every time? watching clementine get ripped to pieces by zombies when you don't press the right button quick enough
1: oh yeah yeah it it is it's it's selfishly kind of fun because i always like to hear my death scenes okay I'm like yeah. oh which scream did they use for that <laughs> oh all right um yeah and you know honestly i ha- I have to be honest here people i am horrible horrible i have a, I have a ps4 and i can't uh God, during the like, you know, <laughs> slamming on the X button or whatever, I'm I'm not very good at it. I tend to die several, several times before getting through those scenes.
0: Yeah, it's uh I like the, the last season they've added a bit more nuance to that. It's not just mashing a button or whatever you have to actually you have to be paying attention in this season to, to survive, I think, which is, right, which is a good little tweak. I've been playing it with my wife. I always make her play the Walking Dead games. She's not a really big gamer, nice. but that's a, a great thing about this series right. is it's accessible. And she's uh, had a little bit of trouble with with some of those scenes, but I'm there to uh, make her mad with my instructions and directions. So it's <laughs> it's, it's fun Come for on. everyone. <laughs> I can do it. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I guess this is where we talk about the Telltale closure and that happening midway through this final season. That must have been um, a pretty crazy thing to experience from this documentary that I just watched, this no-clip documentary about some of the Telltale stuff. You had just recorded your final uh, dialogue yeah. when they got the news, and I don't know if you found out till later, but yeah, just being that close to all those people there must have been a pretty crazy experience.
1: Yeah, what a day. Yeah. Um- <laughs> <laughs> It it goes down in the history as, I mean, it was... Yeah, so I was in the middle uh, about two hours into the recording session for uh, the final episode, uh, and actually Jack Fletcher, who directed the season, amazing, love him so much, he actually had me start, uh, and this is before he knew it was going down, so it was kind of weird. It was like, ooh, Mm. uh... It's interesting how this how this happened, but he actually had me start with the very last scene, which um, was, you know, he directed me to a place where I mean, I was blubbering, crying in the studio like it was. Yeah, I I can't remember the exact words he used, but, you know, he has me do a, a run of this particular ending scene and and then he gives me this direction where he's like, okay, I want you to do this scene again. I want you to speak it as Clementine, but knowing, but, but also as Melissa, knowing that this is the very last time you're going to be playing Clementine. And I just lost it. (laughs) Like, oh, God, you know, I I was a mess. I mean, and it was just this beautiful direction and it was this awesome moment. So, you know, we get through that and then, uh... Two of the writers that were in the room, uh, Kent Mutle and Adam Douglas, were in the room, and they got called to this mandatory, everybody-must-attend meeting. Uh, and it was kind of like, oh, okay. Weird. So they left the room, and, you know, Jack and I keep trucking on, although, I mean, at this point, Jack was feeling, I don't know, I could sense that there was like a, huh, what's going on? And, you know, I I was in L.A. and he was – this is over Skype that we were seeing each other. Um, I was in L.A. and he was up in San Francisco. And Joe Mueller, who is – was the head VO uh, guy at Telltale, um, pops his head in the room. Jack puts me on mute. They chat for about 20 seconds. Jack comes back on and says, uh, we have to stop. And I'm like, okay you know, like for the day, like (laughs) what's going on? Mm -hmm. And he couldn't, he's like, I I can't, we just, we have to stop. And, and he was like, you know, Mel, I'll, 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 I'm sure I'll see you soon. And I was like, or I'll see you down in LA or something. It was just totally cryptic. And my, I'm going what, Mm -hmm. And everybody in the studio is like, what's going on? We were all very confused as to what was happening. So I, I left, you know, and, uh, immediately went out to my car and called my very dear friend, Jason Latino, who was one of the leads for what would have been the wolf among us. <laughs> they were working on that. And I called him and was like, you know, what's going on? And he was just like, kind of in this like dazed and crazed voice was just like, we're gone. We're done. They're Closing the doors. We're done. We're shutting down. And I, you know, finished my conversation with him and then proceeded to Cry myself into a pained state for about twenty four hours straight. <laughs> I can laugh now. It's yeah. not funny. It's still horrible, <laughs> and tragic. But yeah,
0: it's it was definitely one of the kind of you know, despite maybe some warning signs, it was one of those things that took a lot of people by surprise. It seems.
1: Yeah, and, well, you know, there oddly, yeah, there were warning signs. You know, the year before they they did a massive layoff of a hundred employees, and that was that was devastating. I remember calling my friends and just in tears, just crying of the people who I'd worked with for years that had just been laid off and mm. that was horrible. You know, of course, selfishly there there was the like holy crap this is this is the end mm. that Clementine gets is the no end, but even more so it was it was definitely it just felt yeah. it felt like a death. I've I've been in pain in my life. I've I've been through deaths. I've been through, you know, you know losing loved ones or you know it's it's it was a very similar uh ending <laughs> in the fact that thankfully all those beautiful souls are still alive but you know all these people who I've worked with for years are now jobless in the bay area and this game company that I grew up with as an actor is now no more and uh it was it was mm. it was harsh it didn't feel good in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, and I can imagine, despite being, I guess, a, a voice actor, I, whether it's you defined as a contractor or a freelance right. or whatever it right. is, like yeah, you're technically not part of the Telltale development team. Yeah,
1: you're uh, exactly. I'm I'm free agent, you know, so um, it, it's nothing like. Just all of a sudden, especially living in the Bay Area, I don't know if everybody out there knows, but it is—I I, it might literally be the most expensive place to live in the world at this point. It's—it's um, it's not the kind of place where you want to all of a sudden be jobless. But on the other end of that, and you know, you gotta always find the light. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really beautiful time of uh, game companies uh, in the games industry. Opening up and saying, hey, you know, people reaching out and saying, we're hiring, you know, Telltale folks, please, like, you know, send us your info. We've got this position. And, and, I mean, and the fans, the the people, the fans of Telltale Games in general, it was, there's always in the darkness, there's always a light. And to see the community uh, reach out in that way was, you know, really beautiful.
0: Yeah, and it was... I think especially because it was during that final season of The Walking Dead, it hit me pretty hard because it was this feeling of this is meant to be the ending that Clementine deserves, and we're not even going to get that. Like it was a a total feeling of like this this can't be it. Like, did you have a sense that they would find a way to finish the season?
1: No, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. And you know, and it's funny because in my in my gloom and doom and then trying to recover trying to like actually recover i i don't know why i didn't think like oh well maybe robert kirkman will step in maybe skybound will step in i don't know why i didn't even put that on my radar uh i was you know and, and not just have someone step in it had to be done like, I actually felt, like, nervous because there were rumors, like, oh, well, maybe another game company will, or, you know, I don't know, another game company will pick it up and, and restart it, but then I'm like, but I don't feel good going forward unless I'm working with the people mm. who wrote this story, who crafted this game, who animated this game, who put all this work into this game. So, you know, I just I, I, didn't, I didn't even think about it, and It's interesting because I was actually in Missouri visiting family, and I got a call from Dan Murray, who's the vice president of Skybound Games. And I didn't pick it up because I was about to go out, and I was like, you know what, I can't even. I'm I'm actually finally kind of making some progress with, with with healing. So I was like, I just don't want to. I don't know what's going on, so I'm not going to answer the phone. Mm. And I love Dan. No offense to Dan, (laughs) but I was just like, I don't know what this is about, and I'm not going to go there. Whatever. I go out for the night, and I. We're in an Uber ride home and I happened to check Twitter and it was just like, you know, congratulations, you know, Clem, you know, still not bitten. Clem (laughs) moves on or Clem's going to live or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. okay, what is happening? And it was that day that Robert Kirkman announced at New York Comic Con on the AMC panel, which was awesome, that he was going to uh, continue. He's going to finish Clem's story and he was going to, you know, hire back. You know, as much as a team as possible mm. to finish uh, from Telltale to finish her story, and uh, you know, that's when I was, you know, and it wasn't like this instant, like woohoo, yay! I still was like in this kind of PTSD thing of yeah. like uh, feeling like, well, I guess basically, I had to reach out to as many of the Telltale folks from that season and and say, is this true? Is this happening? have you been talked to and then when they were all like yeah 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 you can feel good about it i was like oh okay that's when i started feeling good about yeah. it
0: yeah it's it's kind that of that was a really
1: long story no, sorry that's, listeners that's what people
0: want to hear they don't want to hear me <laughs> <laughs> so it must have been a relief to see it come out and be of the same standard and really get to finish that story that deserves to be told like it was a relief for me but for someone that has actually put sweat and tears into it I don't know if there was blood, but uh, you know, to to have all your work done previously, you've recorded the dialogue, and it was just sitting there to to see it actually see the light of day and have people and fans be able to experience that ending, which I think was done really well. Yeah, must have been great from your perspective too.
1: Yeah, you know, this final season, uh, you know, before Telltale shut down, and, and you know, this this final, this is a fan driven game. All their games are fan driven. Uh, this mm-hmm. one in particular uh is there's so much yeah blood sweat and tears and painful choices that people make and uh this season was being made to honor the fans and their choices and honor their love for this character for Clementine um so yeah the fact that it i mean when it wasn't when i didn't think it was going to get finished uh and you know it was extra sad just because episode 3 was basically in the can it was done but it was just there, you know, wasn't going to get released. So, um, to have that revived and God bless you, Skybound. God bless you, Robert Kirkman, you know, to have them step in and like to do this for the fans. It wasn't like this, ah, we can, you know, we'll make millions. You know, it wasn't even a decision based on that. He was like, she's Mm -hmm. a huge part of our universe. We got to finish the game. Like it's as simple as that, you know? And it's just like this final season coming out and, I, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a critic of any of the seasons. I've loved my entire experience, all, all four seasons, but this really was truly to honor the fans. And, uh, and I, you know, mission accomplished, if you were to ask me. So it, it feels hmm. amazing that, that it got done. It feels, there's closure. If there wasn't closure, it would feel pretty crazy.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, we all have a, TV show that got cancelled without a proper ending. And yes, it's, it's it's like devastating to to look back at whether it you know Firefly or oh, something like that. And God. It's like oh man, just if if only you know. That's the but worst. To, 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 to get it actually, that payoff is is such a sweet thing. So yeah, all's well, it ends well, and and hopefully the Telltale folk can bounce back too.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I know that there, are, I'm sure there are people out still out there, you know, looking looking for employment, and you know, I, yeah, the thing with it is, is uh, this is an unfortunate, and it's not just Telltale games; it's the games industry. There's a lot of shift, and I think, you know, with the closure of Telltale, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the past months, there's been, you know, it really brought up. And I think this is just the reality of the industry. So, but it, it did bring up like the hours, the crunch time that that these employees, you know, video, you know, developers go through. You know, proper work ethic. You know, it, you know, not just with Telltale Games. Other people were like, Yeah, actually, this like whole like crunch to get stuff done and work conditions, and you know, it's it's a reality of being in the game industry and and any job. Sometimes you have to really mm. crunch. You know you know dig down and go for it and have long hours but it, it brought up it, it brought up some you know interesting points of of what needs to what can be improved with the work conditions at game companies
0: sure so mel what would you say has been the hardest point of getting to where you're at now like what's been the greatest challenge you've had to overcome to be a successful voice actor
1: huh oh wow I got to think of something. Sorry, my brain all oh, that would that took so much brain energy to go relive that. Uh Nothing. It was super easy. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Um I I would have to say god of becoming a voice actor. I think it's just just
0: getting work consistently and Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny cuz, you know, I I've, I've been doing this for a real long time at this point. You know, god, I think 19 years. I want to say, you know, it just it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying for people who want to get into voiceover. It's just this not being skeptical, not doubting, you know, if if you get into a space of and I definitely have and I did, you know, but overcoming any doubt that that I was on the right path and I was doing exactly what I needed to be doing that this was something that always fulfilled my soul and made me happy and and uh and just trusting in that just trusting in the process that's definitely tricky it sounds so easy and like oh i just trust i just trust in the process you know no big deal but um <laughs> there's a lot of anxiety that that comes with that you know you're you're the ups and downs and i would say that's probably the biggest hurdle of and and you know i when I was working my awesome uh, job that allowed me to get started in this industry, you know, it was, it was actually hard for me to quit that job because it was a scary step to take of like, okay, this is a paycheck I get every two weeks. You know, I've got the health insurance. I've, You know what I mean? Like, so uh, mm-hmm. just, I think just trusting that- It's a leap. It, yeah, it's a big leap. It's It's leaving that consistency and- and kind of diving into the, the unknown, honestly. But, um, yeah, I think, I think just gaining that trust that what I was doing, I was meant to be doing and, uh, was probably the biggest hurdle getting started at least. Sure. Yeah.
0: So you're at these conventions, I'm guessing you get a lot of people asking like, Oh, what do I have? What's your advice? What do I do? And aside from making a vision board is there anything practical <laughs> that you tell people to uh <laughs> to get ahead or to, to put themselves in the best place to succeed as an actor
1: um yeah you know uh it it kind of boils down to and, and it's funny because you know I'll get approached by people who have really unique awesome voices and they're like you know I'm like oh yeah you you do have a, a great voice and they'll you know well my friends tell me I should be a voice actor and I'm like well w- are you an actor what acting do you do? What's your background? What's your history? Well, I've never, I've never taken classes. I've never, so my advice, and you know, not everybody lives in New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. You know, places where there, there yeah. is a, uh, literally a class you can take that's specifically for voice actors. Uh, coaches you can work with that are voice actors. If you live in the middle of Ohio, you know, you need to it's acting. It is acting. It's honed in, in front of a microphone, but it is physical. It's theatrical. It's, it's emotional. Even if you're reading a commercial for tide, you know, you have to make it sound like you <laughs> love laundry detergent, especially this one. And that's, yeah. that has to be portrayed. <laughs> you know, if it, if you can't like really feel that then, so it's all acting, if you will. So my advice is um, take, take a, if you're in school, take drama. Um, If you're not in school, you know, sign up for some acting classes or community theater. Uh, There are so many outlets for that. Uh, Watch cartoons and imitate voices. And, you know, I just, I sometimes read, not as much anymore, but definitely when I was getting started, you know, just like read commercial copy or uh, the I don't know, your box of crackers, whatever. Read the label and try to make it sound like a commercial. (laughs) Like, There's so many outlets that are not only free or cost you little, but it really is about uh, being an actor. And, of course, if if you're in big cities, then just, you know, you need to get in front of people. You need to be a performer. You cannot be inhibited. You cannot be insecure. You have to get comfortable with taking direction and looking like an idiot because in voiceover you 100% will look like an idiot. I probably look like an idiot at least 17 times today. <laughs> so it's just a matter of like really getting in there and and becoming comfortable uh, performing in general. So that is my advice. There's also Tara Platt and Yuri Lowenthal wrote a book called Voice Over Voice Actor. Uh, it is a comprehensive book on... All the information you could possibly want: how to get into the industry, how to be in the industry, how to you know get started. Demos, tralala. Also, uh, D. Bradley Baker. If you just Google D. Bradley Baker, I think it's so you want to be a voice actor, or hmm. I want to be a voice actor. D. Bradley Baker. If you just Google that, I want to be a voice actor. D. Bradley Baker. This. Uh, You know, he put together another really amazing, like, go-to, awesome read on the interwebs that gives all kinds of amazing information on what it takes to get into the industry. Uh, Because everybody's journey is so unique. Mine is ridiculous. I basically, you know, I went to high school with (laughs) my agent. It took a lot more than that. (laughs) But if you didn't go to high school with your agent, there are hoops you have to jump through. To you know, to get mm. the agent. So, uh, so yeah, check that out.
0: Yeah, it definitely. It seems like something that's different. Each voice actor I've interviewed has had a completely different story. You know, Anthony Ingruber was YouTube videos and auditioning, mm. like doing impressions, and that got him. You know, a role in in the Batman Telltale game, kind of, and
1: he was young Harrison Ford and yeah. uh young Harrison. I can't remember the movie because I, I can't remember anything. Watch. Apparently, yeah. interviews always make me <laughs> seem like I have the like the worst memory <laughs> on the face of the planet. I don't know nothing. Uh, yeah, Anthony and Gruber. Yeah, he and well, he's amazingly talented. Yeah. Uh really cool dude. But yeah, there. His journey into voiceover, like he said, was hmm. you know doing YouTube and
0: yeah. And then you've got people like Roger Craig Smith who they're comedians and then they get told that they have a great voice and they do acting classes like you said and someone kind of plucks them out as uh, the the top of the class and gives them a a chance and he rocks up at a a studio and knows the guy from his building that is running the recording booth. You know, he's there with his resume and they give him some work and it kind of like there's stories like that that you hear and people like Courtney Taylor who uh, was told that she didn't have like you know a stage presence or something she should use her voice instead and you know that's kind of a, a kind of a mean thing to say but she has ter- yeah. t- turned it into an amazing career and, and then sissy jones who you know left behind a, a silicon valley career to jump into voice acting yeah. and kind of working her way up from the bottom so it's it's always cool to hear that these stories can you know, if you've got the hustle and the energy and the talent, you can make your way there and it doesn't always have to be the same path that people tread to get there.
1: No, it's it's always unique. Yeah. I, you're 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 spot on. I mean, all those people you've mentioned, Gavin Hammond, who played Kenny in The Walking Dead Mini, I mean Gavin Hammond is a he's in a lot of stuff, a phenomenal actor and one of my best friends. You know, he was a drummer in a band growing up, but he you know, he took a class, the same place Sissy went actually, and it was just one of these like you know, the agents come in and guests teach a class and hear people do their thing. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you're a voice actor. You're getting <laughs> auditions. I think Sissy, her first role was actually straight out of acting classes and getting signed was The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, so, like, but, yeah, everybody's story. And it's funny because I have the opposite. When I first got into voiceover, uh, I didn't book my first role. It was almost a year before I booked my first role. So it's not like if you're getting into voiceover and you're not immediately like booking work left and right, even if you're only, you know, whatever, don't give up. I sure didn't. And, you know, I definitely had plenty of opportunity to feel like, oh, man, what am I doing? This is not going to work. So, yeah, every path is is unique. Um, But I think that is something in common with a lot of, of the people who you just mentioned is it's what they want to be doing although they may not have known it until all of a sudden they're doing it (laughs) but it's it's kind of a once you're there you're like oh yeah this is this is what i want to be doing
0: yeah and then you've got people like the guy that rob wheatoff i think from red dead redemption who like he's done six acting roles in his whole career and half of them are that video game so you know, And he still just right. gives an amazing performance. It's it's like he's just been plucked out of nowhere. So you never know.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, the last question I have for you, Mel, I ask everybody, if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do?
1: Oh, my God. You should have sent this to me
0: <laughs>
1: three days before this <laughs> question arrived. Uh, say it. I want to say it again?
0: If you could do anything and know you wouldn't fail. God.
1: I could do anything and no I wouldn't fail. If I could do anything and no I wouldn't fail, what would that be? Uh a standing a uh, uh, standing on the ground backflip
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty amazing <laughs> no
1: i know yeah. just like right now just like i'm going to do a backflip here i go never not going to fail I'm not going to land on my head and break my neck uh i mean that was kind of a ridiculous answer um oh man is there like a dream uh, role
0: that you'd have to to play
1: hmm well i don't know i don't know if it's been i don't know if it's there yet that's that's the the thing it's kind of you know people always ask if there if you could play any role but it's hard because there's somebody already doing it so yeah. i don't necessarily want to um you know i guess going back to if we're going to talk the acting world uh you know it's 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 interesting cuz i it's weird how many times in the last week this has come up but i would probably pursue uh on camera work mm-hmm uh, for many reasons, because it looks like fun and uh, also celebrity actors are taking over the voiceover world. So I have this theory that if I could become a celebrity on-camera actor, <laughs> then I'd finally get like a big role in a Disney and Pixar film. Um, so basically, I just need to become a famous on-camera actor. And I, I would go for it. And and uh, and maybe I will.
0: mm. In this hypothetical, though, you could wow. have skipped all that and just said, "I want to be a, a Pixar voice actor."
1: <laughs> oh, well, I like my, I like my roundabout story. Okay. But that, that's like, but you that's something it, yeah. that, <laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to earn it. I want to earn it. That well, actually, no, I would love to just be a non-celebrity, not just getting those big roles. Yes, I. Uh, mm. But I, but I, I mean, also Roger don't have did a, it, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. So and it's good, and I guess I don't look at my career. I just kind of you again. It goes back to like you have to believe that that's just gonna happen. So yes, that mm. uh, that's what you just said, and what I said in like a really long answer. That's my answer.
0: <laughs> hey, that's what podcasts are for. They're for long answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, Mel. Uh, as I have mentioned multiple times, Walking Dead's a huge part of my gaming experience, and it holds a special place in my heart. And that's largely in part because of Clementine, that ri- the writing of that character and your performance. So, thank you for, I guess, all the the memories and for this conversation. It's been yeah. really great to to hear and to get a chance to speak to you. I just when I went out before we had a little inter- intermission. Uh, and I told my wife I was talking to Clementine, and she was like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> ah!
1: <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, yeah, well, no, I, you know, uh, thank you. I mean, and right back at you, like, honestly, the the fans of that franchise, the fa- franchise, that sounds like such a impersonal <laughs> word to use. The fans of that game, the fans... Uh, like yourself are the really the reason why I'm here talking to you at least on this regard so uh, so thank you mm. honestly and and it's been so much fun I've loved chatting with you and would love to come back and chat more when I'm that lead in that Pixar film yes but we can do it before then as well <laughs>
0: can't wait to, to see that movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> no I'm, I'm sure it won't be too far away we'll I'll Put yeah, that on, yeah. on my vision board for you.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, all your everybody listening to this, put that on a vision board. Let's see like how powerful the universe <laughs> is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening, and thanks to Audio Technica. You can catch Melissa on Twitter, at Melly Hutch. That's M-E-L-Y-H-U-T-C-H. If you'd like to help out this show, you can leave an iTunes rating and review. That goes a long way to getting the word out there. And, of course you can head over to the 8-Bit Patreon. That's patreon.com slash weare8bit, A-T-E-B-I-T, and that's where you can ship in a few dollars to support this podcast as well as the others in the 8-Bit Collective help bring my new podcast to life, Comedy Rewind, and get a few goodies in return. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jono himself, and until next week, keep putting in work.